Listeners, gather around to hear the story of an unnecessary panic. Rumors of devil worship in small towns across America terrified people in the 1980s. People feared that the decade of decadence was going to turn into a decade of Beelzebub. We look at the satanic panic this week on This Was a Thing. And you are listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Today we're looking at the satanic panic. Now, this was the thing because the 80s were a time of prosperity for some, but it was also a decade of fear for many others. And that fear was provided by Satan. If you can go ahead and put a little echo on that, Daniel. Satan! There we go. Now, this is part two of This Was a Thing's first ever two-parter. Danny, if we could put in a little applause. Thank you, Daniel. Now, last week, Rob told us all about the Dungeons and Dragons murder, the book The Dungeon Master. Dungeon Master. And he left you with quite... The cliffhanger. Ooh. Now, Dungeons and Dragons was definitely a huge source of unnecessary fear in the 80s, but Satan goes back a little bit further in the grand scheme of this generation. <laughs> modern Satanism, as I as I come to call it. Satan walked so Dungeons and Dragons could run. Exactly. Now, I'm not only going to tell you about the Satanic Panic of the 80s, but I'm going to give you a little history of what's considered to be, like I said, modern Satanism. I'm leaving out all the pre, you know, 1960s stuff, so no medieval rituals, no Aleister Crowley, you know, sorry folks. Now, the satanic panic was full of false accusations that ruined lives forever, all because people thought satanic cults were running rampant, right under people's noses. Now, mind you, there were random individual acts done, quote, in the name of Satan, but the idea of widespread satanic cults was just, well, it was just hogwash. <laughs> How dare you use this language on this show? Plenty of books were released detailing people's time in satanic cults, talking about how they took part in satanic ritual abuse, which you'll hear about. Unsurprisingly, they turned out to be bullshit. Now, I would like to warn our listeners that this episode deals with some mature themes, mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to present you with the facts that they give and then also with the things that go, well, I think this might be a little uh, BS. I used a really great Vox article titled Why Satanic Panic? never really ended by Aja Romano. I want to start with a section from the article. 
At their core, satanic ritual abuse claims relied on overzealous law enforcement, unsubstantiated stalemates from children, and above all, coercive suggestive interrogation by therapists and prosecutors. Some of the defendants are still serving life sentences for crimes they probably didn't commit and which likely didn't happen in the first place. Huh? Yeah, so there's people still serving time in jail and they were accused of satanic ritual abuse and... There's no evidence. There's no evidence real, of it. Real evidence. So tell me how all of this started, because I, I know zero about this. Well, let me start off with this little warning. Now, the very young and the impressionable should definitely not be watching this program tonight. This is not a Halloween fable. This is a real-life horror story, and it will give small children bad dreams. As for teenagers and their parents, we hope you are watching, because it's teenagers who are most likely to fall under the spell of this jumble of dark, violent emotions called Satanism, and in some cases, to be driven into committing terrible deeds. Geraldo, your mustache will give children bad dreams. I know, I love that clip. Before we jump into the 80s, I'm going to talk about some of the things that led up to the so-called, quote, satanic panic. Now, the history of what this generation considers Satanism, it didn't just come out of nowhere. Things had been festering for a while. We have to start with Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey was a really fascinating individual. When he was young, he spent time in the carnival and circus worlds. He played calliope and other things, and even learned some lion taming at a period in history. So he learned how, as a human being, he could interact with a big, dangerous animal, which is kind of the way you have to treat most people around you also. LeVay was known as a visible figure in San Francisco. He played the organ around town, drove a coroner's van, and walked his pet leopard... Zoltan in the street. Yeah, that's right. A pet black leopard Zoltan. Now, in this is the extremely liberated San Francisco of the late 60s, so I'm sure seeing something like Zoltan the leopard was, you know, probably not the oddest thing you'd see walking down the street. LeVay started to hold Friday night lectures on the occult and rituals. You know, just normal Friday nights. Hey, come on over. We're going to talk about the occult and rituals. Now, someone in the group mentioned to him that his lecture had the basis for a new religion. Ooh. Oh. Now, on April 30th, 1966, a ritual was held. As part of the ritual, Anton LeVay shaved his head in the, quote, tradition of ancient executioners. Now, he declared the founding of the Church of Satan and said that 1966 was the year one, or Anno Satanas, the year of the age of Satan. Now, it was later revealed that LeVay shaved his head because he lost a bet and made up the, quote, tradition of ancient executioners bits. Now, this guy's got bits. And he changed his name to Cy Sperling. <laughs> And started the Air Club for Men. Take a listen to that episode, folks. <laughs> and sorry, just to be clear, he did not change his name to Sizeburg. <laughs> <laughs> now, with a shaved head, piercing eyes, menacing brow, and dark goatee, this guy had a look. Now, biographers said the Church of Satan represented the, quote, first public, highly visible, and long-lasting organization which propounded a coherent satanic discourse. So it was the first one that people started following. I mean, I'm sure there were ones like before that, like, oh, yeah, Satan, Satan. But this is the first one. Now, this is a clip from the 2021 documentary about Anton called An American Satan. He talked a lot about uh, Voltaire and Oscar Wilde, uh, Jack London, the romantic poets, the existentialist, Nietzsche, Sartre, H.L. Mencken. So people should understand when he started the Church of Satan, he, he did it out of um, 
general disdain for most people and, and a love of life and a frustration that people don't live as fully and completely as they, as they could. Satan can take the form of a beautiful woman. Satan can take the form of a sleek animal. An automobile can be very satanic. So he wanted to start the religion, you know, because he wanted people to live a fuller, more complete life. It's all about, I mean, it kind of, when you read about it, it's all about like self-fulfillment and like self, you know, be your own self, you know, like you're, you're, you're worth your own self. Now, he performed a satanic wedding ceremony for a journalist in New York socialite in February 1967. The LA Times and San Francisco Chronicle were some of the first newspaper that gave him the title, The Black Pope. Now, Anton wasn't just performing satanic weddings. No, no. He also did satanic baptisms, including the first satanic baptism in history for his three-year-old daughter, Zena, dedicating her to Satan and the left-hand path. Now, this unsurprisingly garnered worldwide publicity. Now, when he wasn't busy doing all that normal church stuff, he released a record album titled The Satanic Mass in 1967. Now, you can hear a selection from The Satanic Mass playing behind me. Michael Bublé, right? <laughs> exactly. Now, the album cover even says, Recorded live at the Church of Satan, San Francisco. Look, Anton LaVey hustled, is what I'm trying to say. Now, Roman Polanski's film Rosemary's Baby was released in 1968. It's based on a book of the same name that came out the year prior. It was written by Ira Levin. It's about, spoiler alert, for a 54-year-old film, a woman named Rosemary, played by Mia Farrow, who becomes pregnant with Satan's child. Now, the film deals heavily with a satanic cult. It started to put out the concept of satanic cults into the public consciousness. The year 1969 was big for the Church of Satan. Anton LaVey released the book, The Satanic Bible. Now, it's broken into a preface, prologue, and four books. Four books? I don't got time for four books. <laughs> the prologue of the Satanic Bible begins by discussing the concept of God's good and evil and human nature. Now, it includes the nine satanic statements. Ready? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, sure. One, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Okay. Two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Oh, shit. Wow, that got dark all of a sudden. Okay. Three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those who walk on all fours, who because of the divine spiritual intellectual development has become the most vicious animal of all. Eight, Satan represents all the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. Now, the four books, the Book of Satan challenges the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule. The second book, the Book of Lucifer, has 12 chapters discussing topics like indulgence, love, hate, and sex. LaVey also uses the book to dispel rumors surrounding the religion. Uh, this is considered to be the philosophical 
section of the Satanic Bible. The third book, the Book of Belial, LeVay details rituals and magic. LeVay discusses the required mindset and focus for performing a ritual and provides instructions for three rituals, those for sex, compassion, or destruction. The fourth book, the Book of Leviathan, provides four invocations or prayers for Satan, lust, compassion, and destruction. So the book is out there for people to be like, hey, this is the stuff that we need to do to hail Satan. It was later revealed that it was allegedly played heavily from different writers, including Ayn Rand and Aleister Crowley, amongst others. So, you know, when you're plagiarizing from Ayn Rand, you've got to be good. It also has been said that it was written to help get the religious tax-exempt status, huh? Yes, I was wondering when that was going to come surprise, in. Surprise, surprise. Either way, there's been thirty pr- oh, about 30 printings with over a million copies sold. Wait, were they given tax-exempt status? Yes. That's, I'm surprised there's not more controversy about that. 1969 was also the year of the Manson family murders. A cult led by an outrageous psychopath like Charles Manson only made the public fear cults even more. Now let's get into the 70s. Now the book, The Satan Seller, was released in 1972, written by Mike Warnke, and it's his story of how he was orphaned as a child, which led him to finding Satanism. And this book has got some stories. Now, in short, it details his participation in orgies, his alcohol addiction and drug dealing, his rise to Satanism to the rank of high priest, which meant he got to preside over satanic rituals, which included magic spells, summoning demons, and of course, (laughs) ritual sex. Now, it talks about the attempt on his life, a heroin overdose, joining the Navy, finding God in boot camp, serving in Vietnam, and how he returned home an evangelical Christian. It was a religious best seller in less than three months. Can you believe it? What was the name of the book, I'm sorry? It was called The Satan Seller. Okay. Well, after numerous marriages, affairs, and divorces, the evangelical Christian magazine Cornerstone launched an investigation into old Mike. After conducting over a hundred interviews, Cornerstone presented their findings at the annual Christian Booksellers Association Convention, or what I decided to call Christicon. Oh, that's a good name for it. Cornerstone revealed that, surprise, Mike Warnke was full of shit. Now, that's not an exact quote, obviously. Just a legal quote. Yeah, that's, yeah. Now, it revealed that there was a bunch of fraud and inaccuracies in the things he said. They also found pictures of him during the alleged time of him being a satanic high priest. They didn't find him to look emaciated from drug addiction. He didn't have the long hair or fingernails that he talked about. The pictures showed him as your typical mid-60s quote, square, films can sometimes help bring certain things to public awareness. This was certainly the case in 1973 when The Exorcist was released, and boy, did this bring Satan to the public awareness. I don't like this movie. I don't like this movie. It really scares me. The film was directed by William Friedkin and based on the 1971 novel of the same name. The film is still terrifying people to this day, like Rob, and made the idea of demonic possession seem like a reality. In 1975, a high priest in the Church of Satan, Michael Angelo Aquino, started to grow disillusioned by the direction LeVay was taking the church. Aquino resigned from the church and, according to him, embarked on a ritual to invoke Satan, who then revealed to Michael a sacred text called the Book of Coming Forth by Night. In this sacred text, Satan revealed his name to be Set, which is what his ancient Egyptian followers called him. With this knowledge, and of course some of the other members of the Church of Satan, Aquino created the Church of of set. Their religion is Setianism, and please don't call them Satanists, okay? The 70s also saw the rise in something else. This is from Vox. 
The growing fascination with the occult also coincided with a number of extremely well-publicized serial killer cases that took place in the 70s. The Zodiac Killer and the Alphabet Killer, both of whom used ritualistic patterns in their killing, neither of whom were ever caught. Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, the Hillside Stranglers, and David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the Son of Sam, who sparked a mass panic during the summer of 1977 in New York City. Many of these well-publicized serial killers maintain an image of having the upper hand in some way. The Zodiac Killer and Berkowitz wrote taunting letters to the press and police. Bundy escaped from prison and immediately resumed his horrifying killing sprees. Gacy hid his evil uh, under the most banal of disguises, a friendly clown who performed for children. The 70s without Satan were already scary because of all these serial killers going around. So adding the occult and Satan to this fear only, you know, think that was scary in the 70s. Imagine watching Linda Lavin and Alice. (laughs) Stupid. Then, of course, 1978 saw the year of Jonetown's mass suicide. 918 people died in total, all but two from cyanide poisoning. Now, Jim Jones and Jonetown weren't a satanic cult by any means, but they were a cult nonetheless, an extremely violent one at that. The last year of the decade saw the establishment of something that would be very anti-Satan, something that would help make the coming 1980s God's decade almost. Something that was founded by everyone's favorite Christian evangelical Baptist minister, Jerry Falwell Sr. Fuck him. That something was the moral majority. Mm -hmm. A right-wing political and religious movement. Falwell wanted to go against the traditional Baptist principle of separating religion and politics. That just wasn't for him. Especially with what he perceived as the, quote, the decay of the nation's morality. He hosted plenty of rallies and got plenty of support. He was able to rise his way to the top of the Christian right and changed politics. Yes, he did. So, you know, the rise of the moral majority helped bring Christianity and helped bring a fear of God into the world. It's almost like it never ended, huh? Oh boy, but hey, let's leave that 70s decade behind us, right? It's time for the 80s. What could go wrong? Moral majority helped get Ronald Reagan elected in 1980. Thanks, Jerry. Wait, Mm-mm. from Vox. Although the Reagan era was a time of economic growth and financial prosperity, it was also a time of unease centered on population growth, urbanization, and the rise of the double-income family model, which necessitated a sharp increase in the need for daycare services. As a result, anxiety about protecting the nuclear family from the unknown dangers of the new era was high. The 80s saw the spread of AIDS misinformation, kidnapped victims' faces appearing on milk cartons, the mass panic surrounding the 1982 Tylenol murderers, and the first wave of reports of scary killer clowns attempting to prey on children. Jesus, I don't like I was born in the 80s. I don't remember any of this. Now, what I'm trying to say is that Satan wasn't the only thing that was scaring people. People were on the edge as is. 3 days before Ronnie was elected, the book Michelle Remembers was released on November 1st, 1980. It was written by psychiatrist Lawrence Pazder and his psychiatric patient, who would later become his wife. I get out. <laughs> Michelle Smith. In short, the book details that up in British Columbia, while Pazder was treating Michelle for depression, she felt like she had something important to tell him, but couldn't remember what it was. Soon after this, they had a session where Michelle screamed for 25 minutes straight and eventually started to speak like a five-year-old. Over the next 14 months, Pastor spent 600 hours using hypnosis on Michelle to help her recover memories from her past. Memories included satanic ritual abuse that occurred to her when she was five years old at the hands of her mother and others who were all members of a satanic cult. 
The book claims that during the rites that Michelle was allegedly tortured, locked in cages, sexually assaulted, forced to participate in various rituals, witnessed several human sacrifices, and was rubbed with blood and body parts of various sacrificed infants and adults. Pazder and Michelle were so convinced of that the satanic ritual abuse was such a problem that in 1978, they traveled to the Vatican to alert the Catholic Church themselves. Now, the book claims that it was Anton LaVey's Church of Satan that abused Michelle. Now, before it was published, People Magazine and the National Enquirer, which were two very highly circulated periodicals at the time, ran articles about the story. A lot of people were hearing about this horrible tale, and the book was released, and it was a success. Pastor Michelle got a $100,000 hardcover advanced, a $242,000 paperback rights, and they toured the U.S. promoting it. So altogether, $342,000. A few days before the book was initially released, McLean's magazine ran an interview with Michelle's father, Jack Proby. Now, he denied all allegations made in the book, especially the ones made against his wife, Michelle's mother. She had died in 1964, so she couldn't really, you know. She can't retort Yeah, exactly. The article didn't garner much attention, though. So even though it was out there, the, the book was more popular. Shortly after Michelle Remembers was published, Pastor withdrew the assertion about LaVey's Church of Satan being involved. LaVey founded the church several years after the alleged uh, events took place, and LaVey threatened to sue for libel as well. So they were like, well, we might as well take this out. In 1995, it was revealed that Michelle's school records had been gone through. There's not one mention of her being absent for 81 days. No one could back up any of Michelle's stories. There wasn't any evidence. It's been theorized that Michelle made the allegations to spend more time with Pazder. After publication of the book, they both left their spouses to marry each other. Mm. Michelle Remembers became a sort of textbook for legal professionals and other authorities, despite no evidence to back up the claims. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I totally misunderstood you for a second. Michelle Remembers lawyers used it? And psychiatrists used it to be like, this is how you get fooled or to be like, no, this is actually legitimate. This is like, this is what you need to look out for. Holy shit. Yes, exactly. I thought it was like a, hey, don't get fooled again thing. No. Yeah. Back to school. Backpack. Lockers. Lockers to hide in. Speaking of school, what's the biggest lesson you ever learned? Hmm. To subscribe to Patreon to help keep this show on the air. I learned that in economics. Ooh, I was sick that day. How do I subscribe? Well, to be one of the cool kids, become one of our Patreon supporters and help keep this show on the air. Head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for this was a thing. And set a monthly donation, even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help continue doing what we're doing. Good to know. Well, I'm going to subscribe, then get a note to get out of P.E. Rob. I have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Oh. So now we're going to go to 1982. Like I said, Michelle Remembers was being used as a training manual of sorts. Several social workers attended a seminar about the book in Kern County, California. The seminar emphasized satanic ritual abuse was a major factor in child sexual abuse. Huh? They were tying the two things together. Shortly after, two little girls accused their parents of being part of a, quote, sex ring that abused them along with another adult couple. No evidence was ever found, and both couples were sentenced to more than a thousand years collectively. Collectively in prison. So the couples were abusing these children. No, and there was never evidence of it. So they were sent to prison. It was later revealed that the little girl's step-grandmother, who had custody of him at the time, coached the little girls to lie about the story. The convictions were overturned in 1996, and both couples were released from prison. 
There were six similar cases throughout Kern County. Six. The San Francisco Gate ran a story about the Kern County District Attorney who handled these cases, Ed Jagels. He was set to retire on his own terms in 2009 after being reelected six times. So after putting away all these people and getting things overturned, they still were reelecting this guy. Now, since the late 80s, all but one of the 26 convictions Jagel secured have been reversed, all but one. Kern County has paid $9.56 million to settle state and federal suits brought by former defendants and their children. A year after the first Kern County case, there was a second case involving a California daycare. This one, all in all, ended up being even worse. Staff at McMartin Preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, was involved in a legal circus for seven years, all starting in 1983 from Vox. In 1983, one parent accused one of the staff members at McMartin Preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, of abuse. During the investigation, police allowed an unlicensed psychotherapist named Key McFarland to conduct examinations of 400 children who attended the daycare. McFarland famously used anatomically correct dolls and coercive interview processes, resulting in a staggering 321 counts of child abuse being leveled against seven daycare staff members by 41 children. The eyebrow-raising claims included allegations that daycare owners had built secret underground tunnels that led to ritual ceremonies that had ritually sacrificed a baby, flushed children down toilets, and could turn into witches and fly. In 2005, one of the children, who was now an adult, retracted the allegations of abuse. Never did anyone do anything to me, and I never saw them doing anything. I said a lot of things that didn't happen. I lied. Anytime I would give them an answer that they didn't like, they would ask again and encourage me to give them the answer they were looking for. I felt uncomfortable and a little ashamed that I was being dishonest, but at the time, being the type of person I was, whatever my parents wanted me to do, I would do. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, another big thing during the satanic panic was the fear of subliminal messaging yeah. and music. Now, the concept of backmasking or playing a record backwards started to gain steam. Now, this is from an Atlas Obscura article called The Fight to Save America from Satan's Subliminal Rock Messages by Brian Gardinier. The Beatles, Sticks, Queen have all been accused of subliminal messages through backmasking. Queens is more like, I love to smoke marijuana or something like that, not really Satan. Messages that, in the words of legislative proposal AB3741, had the power to, quote, manipulate our behavior without our knowledge or consent and turn us into disciples of the Antichrist. Now, the Assemblyman wanted mandatory warning labels on all rock albums containing these satanic backward messages. It was decided to hold off on an unofficial vote until the music industry and band members could weigh in and give their side, right? You know, unsurprisingly, no one from the music industry, nor did any band members, show up. The bill would never end up going anywhere, but this helped make the satanic subliminal messages a new fear in the satanic panic. For its own part, the music industry responded with a bemused skepticism. Styx's James Young called the whole idea of satanic backmasking a hoax perpetrated by religious zealots and refused to attend any meeting or hearing where the topic was discussed. Then there was Bob Garcia of A&M Records who declared it must be the devil putting these messages on the records because no one here knows how to do it. That's very passive aggressive. We tried it before, and trust me, no one here knows how to do it. 82 was the same year that Iron Maiden released their metal classic, The Number of the Beast.
bothered about Dungeons and Dragon or bad. Yes, going going back to last week. Yep. Was formed in 1983. Pat Pulling blamed the tragedy uh, of her yes. son's suicide on the role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons. She first filed a wrongful death lawsuit against her son's high school principal, holding him responsible for what she claimed was a D&D curse placed on her son's character shortly before his death. D&D, by the way, is short for Dungeons and Dragons, for anyone not familiar with that. The lawsuits were dismissed, which led her to form bad. People started to listen to her beliefs that D&D encouraged devil worship and suicide. Pulling obtained a private investigator's license, became a consultant to law enforcement, and was an expert witness in several gaming-related lawsuits, all of which lost in court. Surprise, surprise. She became a director of the National Coalition on TV Violence in 1984. Now, in 1989, game designer and author Michael A. Stackpole wrote about all the flaws and misconceptions that Pulling was putting out about D&D. He wrote, If the suicide statistics for the 14 years since D&D's introduction show anything at all, gamers kill themselves at a rate that is a fraction of that of their peers. The next year, he released the Pulling Report, a highly critical review of BAD's methods of data collection, analysis, and reporting. Stackpole found that Pulling had been misleading on many things, surprise, surprise. Due to the report's findings, Pulling would quit the organization she founded in 1990. By 1991, it was concluded that there was no causal link between fantasy gaming and suicide. Bad ceased to exist when Pulling died of lung cancer in 1997. 1984! Reagan got reelected in 1984, huh? He did. The Dungeon Master, which is the book Rob covered in last week's episode, was released in 1984, a year after the formation of Bad. Not a good few years for D&D. The book was written by a private investigator that worked on the case, William Deere. William Deere, Bill Deere, yes. Now, to hear about it more detailed, you can listen to our episode titled The Dungeon Master from last week. Yeah. Uh, but in short, the book details a 1979 disappearance of a student at Michigan State University. He would play D&D in underground tunnels in his college's campus, and they linked his disappearance to the game. The ABC News program 2020 ran a piece in 1985 called The Devil Worshippers. Here's Hugh Downs. The apparent practice of Satanism. That's worship of the devil. Now, police have been skeptical when investigating these acts, just as we are in reporting them. But there is no question that something is going on out there, and that's sufficient reason for 2020 to look into it. One caution, we believe that some of the pictures and descriptions in Tom Gerald's report may be disturbing and even frightening, particularly to younger viewers. Here is Tom's report. It even features Dr. Lawrence of Dr. Lawrence Pazder and Michelle, of Dr. course. Dr. Lawrence Pazder. Children are involved in graveyards and crematoria and funeral parlors because one of the primary focuses of these people is death. Everything is attempted to be destroyed and killed in that child and in society, everything of goodness. And death is a major preoccupation. Another indicator, satanic... People were saying that anything and everything had satanic messaging. Most people don't realize that 80% of all toys on the market have occultic influence, and these are the most popular. It says here that uh, it actually makes the wings move, so let me uh, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Remember those uh, verses in the book of Revelation about the flying beast with the riders on them? This could actually be taken from uh, Revelations. You'll notice that they're depicted as blue with black lips. Well, isn't that interesting? And you know what happens to you when you die? You turn blue and your lips turn black. Smurfs has gone occultic. Very much so. Smurfs. Smurfs? What a time, huh? 
Now, by 1988, the floodgates were swung wide open. The satanic panic was getting out of control, which meant that only one man could help tackle it. The Pope. Geraldo Rivera. Close enough. Geraldo aired an episode in 1988 titled Devil Worship, Exposing Satan's Underground Cult. And it is a do as a hey. The Investigative News Group presents the Geraldo Rivera Special. Devil Worship. Exposing Satan's Underground. He assembled quite the group of d- to discuss the satanic panic that was going on. The list of people are a 17-year-old on death row who says he murdered in the name of Satan, parents of children from the McMartin Preschool, Ozzy Osbourne live via satellite from London, and a convicted killer who said that the devil would reward him with 10,000 souls. Geraldo goes on location to Louisiana and learns about bodies being dug up and looks at satanic graffiti. Death chamber, the point of no return, this says. As you walk into the main vault, it's the devil's pentagram, 666, the sign of the devil. Over here, a bloody skull and crossbones. In Maine, a dozen churches were defaced with satanic symbols. In California, New Jersey, Alabama, and elsewhere, police have found inverted crosses and the remains of mutilated animals. He talks about teens that killed in the name of Satan, brings on law enforcement to talk about what they've seen, and of course has a Catholic priest on. Anton LaVey's daughter before the estrangement was on the panel, along with Dr. Michael Angelo Aquino. Remember him from the yes, Church Dr. of Yes, Dr. Aquino. Now, get a load of Dr. Aquino. Dr. Aquino, the high priest of the Church of Set. Temple of Set. Temple of Set, also a colonel, interestingly enough, in the United States Army. What is it, this Satanism? Well... Originally, the Church of Satan, when it was founded, was composed not of people with a hatred for Christianity, but of people who, by and large, were agnostics and atheists, because they felt that the institutions which had arisen around Christianity had failed in their moral commitment. So, Satanism itself became an emphasis on rational self-interest and on taking responsibility for your own intellectual and ethical decisions. So it's about self-empowerment, really. You know what I mean? It's not killing, you know, no bloodletting. No, that's just all people making that up going, this is what I imagine Satanism Mm. is, but if they were to actually look into it, and they don't want to look into the truth of what it is, I don't know. Geraldo features a church in L.A. that's run by a preacher named Roy Masters. He also performs exorcisms, holding a cross that looks like it's made of two pieces of wood he found in the backyard. Wait, Geraldo or Roy Masters? No, uh, Roy Masters Mm. does it but Geraldo recovers this. Ooh. Southern California is a very long way from the heart of Brooklyn. But at the church of a preacher named Roy Masters, exorcisms of the devil appear just as sincere, far out, and dramatic. With a background in show business rather than theology, Masters claims the members of his congregation react so profoundly to the laying on of the cross because they feel and fear themselves possessed by the devil. Now, I'll put the link in the description below. This show helped spark even more panic, especially since it was peak Geraldo at his popularity. And then if you had a talk show back in the day, in the 80s or early 90s, you had at least one episode about Satanism in the United States and how it was affecting and scaring everyone.
The 90s weren't as crazy as the 80s were, but the satanic panic was still lingering. Lauren Stratford, I say that with quotations, released the book Satan's Underground in 1991. It's the most popular of the three books that she wrote on the subject of her history with satanic ritual abuse. Satan's Underground details her time in a satanic cult as a baby breeder. She said that she bred babies for sacrifice. She also claims to have had firsthand knowledge of the Kern County case. Uh, She lived in the area, but those claims turned out to be false. That wasn't the only thing that was false. Now, an investigation by the same Christian magazine that exposed Mike Warnke, Cornerstone magazine, found out some interesting things about, quote, Lauren Stafford. Well, that wasn't her real name. Her real name was Laurel Rose Wilson. They conducted a bunch of interviews, and it turned out that Wilson suffered from mental illness and had a long history of making false claims. They found no evidence that she had ever even been pregnant at all. In 1992, the Department of Justice published a paper for investigators written by Kenneth Lanning, who was a supervisory special agent with the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit in Quantico, Virginia. It debunked claims of systematic ritualistic occult abuse in America. This is from Pacific Standard Magazine. Lanning's report critically examined the often fluid definitions of Satanism that were used interchangeably by many law enforcement agencies, as well as debunking supposed indicators of satanic crime highlighted during police training seminars such as symbolism and heavy metal music and fantasy role-playing games such as Dungeons and Dragons. Lanning also offered several alternate explanations for similarities among the disparate eyewitness accounts, including pathological distortions commonly observed in causes of Munchausen syndrome. It was the first time anyone had objectively challenged the commonalities in cases of ritual abuse that police forces across the country were taking as irrefutable evidence of satanic cult activity. So this is the first time, 1992, that someone from law enforcement was going, why don't we pump the brakes, kind of look at everything. Lanning said the response was mostly positive and that other law enforcement appreciated him looking at the subject objectively. Of course, not all felt that way. One officer wanted Congress to investigate him. Regarding why so many people believe the wild allegations of satanic ritual abuse, Lanning said, Although I did not realize it at first, I came to learn that the last of my key questions was actually the most significant. If something wasn't happening, why do so many intelligent, well-educated professionals believe it is? Regardless of intelligence and education and often despite common sense and evidence to the contrary, adults tend to believe that what they want or need to believe. The greater the need, the greater the tendency. There was a need to believe. In my opinion, this concept more than any moral panic was the foundation of satanic ritual abuse allegations. They need to believe the children even without cooperation. If you do not believe everything a victim alleges, what do you believe? So it was essentially like, well, the kids are saying it. Why wouldn't, you know, I mean, why would kids wouldn't lie? Yeah, kids wouldn't lie, even though they're getting these things planted in them. The West Memphis Three was the most notorious case of the satanic panic. It's an awful awful story. This case has three separate HBO documentaries about it. Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, released in 1996. Paradise Lost, Two Confessions, released in 2000. And Paradise Lost, Three Purgatory, uh, released in 2011. This was a big deal. I remember this. Vox did a good job of explaining such an intricate case in a paragraph, which I'm going to read to you right here. 1993. Three teenagers in West Memphis, Arkansas, are accused and later convicted of the horrific sexual assault and murders of three young boys. The teens were accused primarily based on hearsay surrounding their goth lifestyles and rumors that they worship Satan, despite a lack of any physical evidence. The famed documentary Paradise Lost publicized the case, and the three men were ultimately freed in 2011 after new DNA evidence showed them to have no connection to the killings. The case is 
full of police coercion, false confessions, and false allegations. One woman later said that she made implications because police said they might take her child away, and she also wanted to collect the reward money. It's also said that the judge just mishandled a lot of things, like he wouldn't let new evidence in, and it took him retiring for the case to be reopened so the three guys could be released from jail. A year after the West Memphis Three case in 1994, the federal government began to do their own research based on the FBI agent Lanning's report that was released. They wanted to get to the bottom of the accusations of satanic ritual abuse. So the federal government finally was going, okay, let's let's do our own research as opposed to just one of our agents doing it. Uh, The National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect commissioned a study to check out the claims that were being made by clinicians around the country. Dr. Gail Goodman, a psychologist at the University of California, Davis, who specialized in memory development, was the principal investigator. Now, this is from Pacific Standard Magazine. Goodman and her team reviewed the responses of 6,910 mental health professionals across the U.S., including clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers. While roughly one-third of respondents indicated they had encountered either occult or religious-based abuse cases, a crucial distinction that was often overshadowed by the lurid tales of human sacrifice and ritual murders. So one in uh, one-third, so not not you know, it's still a number, but only one third. Most uh, had only handled one or two cases like that. Conversely, a tiny group of respondents, approximately 1.4% of Goodman's cohort, stated they had reviewed hundreds of cases of satanic ritual abuse or religious-based abuse. So 1.4% said, oh yeah, I've, I've seen a hundred of them, hundreds of them, hundreds of them, which, you know, 1.4% is not a very good indicator of no, truthfulness. No. That's, you know, people looking for stories that they can have. We did find evidence for individuals or small groups groups who did bad things to children using satanic themes, Goodman says. We are conducting a new longitudinal study of child abuse victims now that they are adults. It's heartbreaking to hear about some of their experiences, many of which we had documents on from their child protection records years ago. If you were religious and thought all things bad as by definition satanic, some of these acts might qualify, but they didn't involve cults or non-humans in the league with the devil. So gotcha. bad things would happen, had nothing to do with Satan, but that was the only way that people in their brain could explain the bad things happening was because of Satan as opposed to mental illness or just bad things happening because bad things happen. Nope. So the same year this report came out, like I said, 1994, a police training video was also released. It taught law enforcement all they needed to know about those pesky Satanists. Okay, uh, what you're looking at here is called Voodoo Vivi. Um, This is kind of like a coat of arms, if you will, uh, for the demonic. And uh, the implications of this is definitely satanic. Uh, they were probably worshiping Set, because it, it says Set here, so it's pretty obvious. This is very typical. This is the kind of thing that you can expect to see, uh, not only on crime scenes, but in areas where occultists hang out. Um, like gang graffiti, occultists kind of communicate to each other through their graffiti. On the rise, the video came at the tail end of the satanic panic. The rest of the 90s was dominated by other news stories, like the Unabomber, the OJ trial... I don't know, some stuff with Bill Clinton. Now it's time to get into the aughts, though, because, you know, there's still some things that pop up. From Pacific Standard Magazine, before she died at age 82 in 2003, Margaret Singer, arguably the world's preeminent expert on cult psychology and brainwashing, estimated that there might have been as many as 5,000 new religious movements, a term which such groups prefer in favor of the widely maligned cult operating in the United States alone. Not one of them is or was satanic in nature at least not in the most common understanding of them. 
The Amanda Knox murder case in Italy was also in 2007. In short, Amanda Knox was living in Perugia, Italy. Her roommate, Meredith Kircher, was found murdered in their apartment. The police charged Amanda. They didn't do a very good job of investigating. She ended up being freed from prison after four years, and her conviction was eventually annulled in 2015. And she was American. Yeah, she was American, exactly. They wouldn't let her over. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the link to Satan, the Italian prosecutor, a very religious Catholic, had an obsession with the occult. Yes, yes. Uh, He even said that Amanda Knox had the look of a she-devil. I remember seeing a documentary on this. This is a fucked up case. So yeah, the case was in Italy, but since Amanda Knox was American, it dominated the news for a long time. Well, that's my timeline for the satanic panic and modern Satanism. I just wanted to give you a light episode this week. (laughs) After the break, we'll talk about surprise. Is there a new satanic panic in the beginning phases? Ooh, stick around. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now... This is a sketch. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming here on JTV, Jesus Television, with Pastor Brad. You'd never know what clothes are even made out of these days. Whatever happened to 100% cotton? Oh, that's what my ancestors wore. At least that's what they wore when there was no more potato sacks. Exactly, Pastor Brad. We're just asking our viewers to do their due diligence. Check the materials of your clothing. This satin panic is not going to go away without the help of true believers. We need the help of true fashionistas out there, like my wife's single cousin Jeffrey Lynn, who has lost a ton of weight lately. Congratulations, Jeffrey Lynn. People who give a care about fashion sense and taste, and I don't mean someone who parades around in their Jordache jeans. Oh, heaven no. Heaven no. This is such a major crisis. We have reached across the pew to our Judaic friends and found someone who works in the garment district to discuss what has caused the satin panic. This is Mordecai Ben Shlomo, and he works in June. New York City, and he has some thoughts on how this all happened. How did we even get here? Rabbi Ben, thank you for joining us via satellite from Brooklyn. (laughs) From what do you know of Brooklyn? It's so hot here. I'm schwitzing on the plastic furniture. So, sad and panic? You want to talk about sad and panic? Let's talk sad and panic. I don't have all day. Oh, please go ahead. Well, here's the issue. Uh, Rabbi Ben, uh, are you there? Uh, can you hear me? There, there was there was some noise. Uh, I schwitz so much I stuck to the the plastic covering on the furniture. Now now my wife is gonna kill me. There's a big hole in the plastic. Uh, I, I'm sorry, and I, I will pray for you. But let's let's please talk about the satin panic. It wouldn't kill it to put on the air every once in a while. The satin panic, of course. People should be using wool. What do people have against wool? Cotton, rayon. These are the things you want. Satin, uh, satin is sticky. It sticks to your back. Gives a sheen. You watch TV and you look down and you can see Vanna White on your satin shirt. Who wants a shiksa looking at you flipping letters? Sometimes, though, I, uh, I move my nipples so it makes the O in, in the puzzle she's creating. Benjamin! Benjamin, come help me with the groceries! I can! I'm talking to the goys! Oh, my God! That's so uh. What happened to the plastic? Oh, my God! Good luck, Anishka Thalia! Where am I going to get no plastic now? The kids are coming tonight, and I'm not going to be... Oh, I'm going to be so embarrassed! Uh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Shlomo. The plastic is missing. What am I going to do? 
Camera, please, Canug, I'm trying to discuss the Saturn Panic. The what? The Saturn Panic. You yachts! Satan! Not Saturn! Satan, you moron! Oh. I gotta go. We don't believe in Satan. Oh, so it's Satan, not Saturn. Oh, we uh, we will be right back here on JTV, Jesus Television. Thank you. This was a sketch. Boy, oh boy. Okay, in 2016, we see some reemergences of the satanic panic. So do you remember Pizzagate? I do indeed. Okay, so in short, a man entered a Washington, D.C. pizza parlor called Comet Ping Pong which just adds to the story, with a gun saying that Democratic leaders were secretly trafficking children as part of a satanic cult, holding them in the basement of the restaurant. Surprise, there's no basement in the restaurant. The theory was formed based on leaked emails that were decoded, quote, by right-wing sleuths. The next year, the QAnon theory started to spread. QAnon, it's satanic panic. It's all about saving children and making sure children are not put, you know, into the hands of these Democrats. Well, first of all, didn't they used to say that Hillary Clinton would drink children's blood? Yeah, children's blood. Yeah, well, the initial Pizzagate was Podesta's leaked emails to Hillary Clinton and that they talked about they like to go to Comet Ping Pong. Anyway, Stranger Things season four, which is set in 1986 at the peak time of the satanic panic, introduced fan favorite Eddie Munson. Spoiler alert, Eddie is a metalhead who plays D and D, he gets accused of murder, and the town goes after him, thinking he's a Satanist. And I mean, it's actually—I just watched season four before doing this, and so reading all this and stuff, it was just so interesting that Stranger Things does a great job of capturing the time, what was happening in the '80s and stuff, mm-hmm. and that Satanic Panic was so big, and it was just—it's a good storyline. So anyway, after all that fun talk, Rob, and last week's fun talk, should we play a game? I would love to. All right, hold on, let me get the candles out. Uh, go ahead and lay on the floor for me. What is it, like and, Twister? And why don't you pop that shirt off? Oh my God, what is this? This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. So Mark, have you ever uh, like praised Satan before? Or Every day like that? when I rise and shine, my man. Hell Satan, hell Satan, hell Satan. Hell Satan to you, you hell Satan to you, Rob. All right, I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think that the satanic panic movie, it was really pretty goddamn goofy, if I actually say so myself. Were your parents into it? Were your parents like- No, they didn't have any fear of it. I think they weren't concerned for me. I did write- fan fiction for the Michael Myers movies when I was like a preteen. Tell me more, They Mark. found that one time and they had a talk of just, because it was a lot of like Michael Myers coming after me and real people in my life that were victims and stuff. And they were like, are you okay? Is this? And then Michael put a mirror on the ground and examined himself. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was self-discovery. Yeah, the killing doesn't bother us, Mark. It's uh... <laughs> What are you saying with this? And are you uh, discovering yourself? <laughs> and can you uh, not discover yourself with the windows open? The neighbors are complaining. <laughs> um, but I, I, that satanic panic thing was so hypocritical. I think it, when we live in a society that throws the terms like Satan and devil around willy nilly and they don't even care. Like it's no big deal. We have no right to crying Satanism when we're so cavalier with the language and mm. just how cavalier you ask. Uh, yes. We're going to find out today with a little game called the devil's all around us. Oh my gosh. I'm going to read a list of clues about different everyday items and expressions that are related 
to the Dark Lord of the Fiery Underworld. It's hell or he- or devil, things like that. And Robin Ray, you're going to compete against each other head to head to see who can be the first person to name this everyday okay, item. Ray, Let me put head. my cloak on. And I'm going to read the clue to the thing as if I am Satan uh, describing. Thank you. I want to hear, I want to see your take on Satan. Well, he talks a little bit like this. This oh, is boy. Satan. Oh, boy. So get ready. Mm. Number one. Ooh, hold me down in the palm of your hand and use me to suck. Yeah, I'll suck it all up. Yeah, press me down onto the floor. It's a devil vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. Or the, uh, the devil. Dust devil. D- Dust dirt, devil. Dirty devil. Dirt devil. Dirt devil Damn is it. right. Damn the it. Dirt devil. Damn it. He shouldn't get that. I gave it to him. Well, you all, you helped each other. You guys just have to let the synapses fire. Number two. Oh, yeah. Slice me in half and split me open, baby. Devil's Cram food. me Drag, uh, with your mustardy, mayonnaise paste. Devil eggs. Devil eggs. Devil eggs. One to one. Mustardy mayonnaise paste. One to one. <laughs> when you put it like that. Well, now I'm hungry. Yeah. Give me a plate. Skate, skate, you garden state sluts. Grab that hard wooden stick and the show devils, me what you got. The Jersey Devils, it's the hockey team. The New Jersey Devils is right, Rob. You got two. Number four. Oh, yeah. Straddle that thing. Rev it up and take off nice and fast. You better get it up and get it up and over or you're gonna crash and burn on that jump baby hell's angels no devil uh, devil satan uh devil you better get it up it's a motorcycle get it up at the end though if you're you're gonna crash and burn if you don't make that evil knievel what was evil knievel a daredevil stunt devil he was a daredevil daredevil a dare devil a little abstract come on rob as we get harder they're gonna get harder you have to be a daredevil to understand you wear your seatbelt when the car is parked ray and i have to put my inside clothes on (laughs) number five get your sweet ass into my small wicker container and i'll take you back to my place (laughs) devil's food cake you said that earlier what's a small wicker container called uh a basket going to hell in a handbasket Yes. Nice. Hell in a handbasket. Number six. You're so moist, baby. Let me taste Double your food. Cake. Cake. Finally, Jesus Christ. Who said that one first? Rob I did. I'm it. hungry. <laughs> four to two. Four to two. Four left. Looks simple, doesn't it? But it's not. Look closer, closer. Yeah, not so simple when you take a closer look, is it? Devil's three-way? What? Not. It is not Devil's three-way. Looks simple, doesn't it? But it's not. Look closer. Oh, closer, yeah. Not so simple now when you take a closer look. I still say devil's three-way. God is in the details? Why would you say God is in the details? details? Why would you say... Yes. I'm going to give it to Ray. (laughs) Yes. Was that it? It was devil's in the details, not God is in the details. That is the expression that everyone uses, which is God is in the details. No, it's devil's in the details. I'm not even even trying to get a point from this one. I've never heard God is in the details. (laughs) I have. No. Listeners, if you've ever heard the phrase God or devil's in the details... I think Tennessee Williams said it. (laughs) <laughs> well, he said a lot of things. I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. God is in the details. I didn't even have to look at that. I didn't even have to finish it. An older and slightly more common phrase, God is in the detail. Devil is in the details. It comes from the earlier phrase, God is in the details. Well, I guess that's what we get for playing with Rob, who's from the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still giving it. We got four, three. Here's number eight. I sure am one good-looking son of a bitch. Sexy devil. <laughs> I'm one good-looking son of a bitch. Smooth devil? I'm one good-looking. Handsome devil. Handsome, Handsome devil. devil. Handsome I'm not, devil. I'm not used to that. <laughs> Aw, buddy. Number nine. 
Yeah, you tell him, Howard Beale. Tell him exactly I'm how mad you as hell feel. And I'm not going to take it oh, anymore. Oh, six damn. to three, Rob. Oh, boy. Well, Rob's a Satanist. Number 10. You think you're going to succeed? Want to know the possibility of it happening? It doesn't look good. What, do you think it's going to snow down here? Hot, uh, hot as a devil. Are no, um, snowball's chance in hell. Snowball's uh, chance in hell. Well, Rob, you really revealed yourself to be a true satanic genius here with all your knowledge of the Dark One, so congratulations. Well, you know, I like to study because I really believe the devil is in the details. We should go back and really commend Rob for getting the New Jersey Devil's question. Right? I Thank can't you. believe Thanks. that. Thanks. That's that's, I'm proud of myself, too. So you can uh, Instagram us at uh, This Was A Thing Pod and uh, go to our website, www.thisasathing.com. And uh, if you like what we're doing, head on over to patreon.com and join us for exclusive content. Every other week we release a little something for, as a bonus for our wonderful listeners over there. So thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was a Thing Pod and Facebook We Are This Was a Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors, and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was a Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 